Hi listeners, quick content warning before we start. In today's episode, there is some discussion of graphic violence and crimes of a sexual nature and racialized language, so please listen with discretion. Enjoy the show! Watch your back, watch your back, and a chance is gonna get you what you back, watch your back, a chance is gonna get you what you back, watch your back, there's a chance is Hi there, Julie. Hi, Douglas. How are you today? Great. How are you? Getting ready for Crimes in the Basquelands. Crimes of the Basquelands. Of the Basquelands. It's true. Because it's <laughs> Gotta not get our name in. right. <laughs> it's not always in. It could be anywhere. Yeah. This is our first episode, so it's okay. Yeah. We gotta, Eventually, we'll get it right. <laughs> we'll get it right. Crimes of the Basquelands. So it's any crime that happens in the Basque country or with people from the Basque country. Yeah, or people that are from other places that are of Basque origin. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay, right? We're just going to tell the story. Oh, yeah, our drink, our drink. We have to get our drink. Yeah, today. We're not drinking our drink from the Basque country. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've got it here, right? Yeah. So I brought brought a Chacolí. A Chacolí is a white wine from the Basque region. Uh, Let's find out what it's called. Gorka Isagire is the beautiful. Chakoli. We, we we brought here today. Yeah. 2019. It's from Biscaya. Is it 20? Yes, it is 2019. There you go. Is it Biscaya? It is. It is. All it right. Is. Do you know this Pueblo? Where is it? Right there. Now I have to read. How do you pronounce that? La Rabetsu. Yeah. La Rabetsu is, is definitely Biscaya. Okay. Lovely. So today I'm going to be telling you the story of the. Shaolin monk. Yes. Of Bilbao. It's kind of famous, so it's not the first time I've heard about it. I mm. have to be completely honest. But I you know, I'm not not the kind of person that reads a lot of details. So it'll be yeah. I'm sure it'll be a lot of new stuff. Well, me too. I didn't know a lot of these details myself, but I remember when it happened, I was actually kind of pumped to know that there was a serial killer <laughs> in the town that I lived in. Indeed, indeed. I mean, not pumped in the sense that people died, obviously. No. That's never a good thing. But no. like, I, you know, because I love true crime, yeah, I always, you know, I'm always interested in t- things that happen around me. Yeah. And it's a good t- opportunity for us to just clarify, you know, we're not professionals at anything like, no, well, not know, at all. It, we have no professional training skills. <laughs> We've done 10,000 hours of drinking, right? We do that. 10,000 hours of drinking. That's probably where we're an expert. Yes. So it's kind of a lighthearted kind of, uh, you know, you like true crime and we're going to, and we live in the Basque country. Yes. It's a good opportunity to learn. Yes. We're immigrants. So we are. So yes, we're learning about. We've been here for a long time though. So we have 16, 17 years for me, more or less. 18 years for me. So a long time. And we live in Bilbao, yeah. Let's dive dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. So I have this one podcast that I listen to where it's about film. Mm -hmm. And um, they always try to give a one-sentence synopsis of the film, which I thought was like a very cute cute. idea. So this is my one-sentence synopsis of this crime. Let's hear. 
martial arts expert posing as a Shaolin monk opens a dojo in the capital of Biscaya with deadly results. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> a great phrase. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, okay, I'm going to try to do that with every crime. See if I can, you know, sum it up in one sentence. It's a great explanation. And I've already kind of given you a spoiler about this person. Yeah, yeah, it's a violent yeah. crime. But as I well, said, posing as a Shaolin monk. Oh, right. <laughs> as well. Yes, true, true. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say my sources for mm-hmm. this, uh, the background and the career of this person and the trial was covered by a woman named Monica G. Alvarez, who writes for La Vanguardia, mm-hmm. which is a paper out of Barcelona. Also, I took a lot of articles from El País, uh, 20 minutes. There was also some a Huffington Post article and a Vice article. Vice. So this person, um, surname Aguilar, Aguilar, okay, okay, was born to um, Absalon and Severina. Wow. Absalon is the name of his parent. Absalon, his father, and Severina, his mother. Absalon. Absalon and Severina, like wow. severe, right? That's quite yeah. a name. Well, I mean, it's more comp. Like, yeah, I don't like the Absalon is shocking anymore. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. It just sounds like a Greek name or something. <laughs> yeah, it does. It doesn't a, sound a hero. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's gonna be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he didn't do anything. He's just the father. I know. He can't be held well, responsible. He, no, he for his be. son's crimes. He might have traumatized his son. Perhaps that's always a, there's know. always a chance of that. That's true. <laughs> okay, so he was born in 1965 in Baracaldo. Town, as we call it. Baracatown? Yeah, I've never heard that. It's, it's the informal way to, to say Baracatown. Yeah, where do you live? Baracatown. <laughs> so um, according to some of these articles, uh, he claims to have suffered immensely as a child. I was catching on to that name. (laughs) Aguilar. No, that was the father and mother, but Aguilar. I'm not telling you his first name. No, no. I was saying that I I didn't like his father's name, so he probably made him suffer. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm psychic, baby. Gotcha. So, yes. He claims to have suffered immensely as a child. Um, and his other, it was his older brother who introduced him to martial arts in the mid eighties. I thought you were going to say introduced him to crime. Sorry. No. <laughs> martial arts, um, which he claimed as a way to alleviate what he called his inner hell. And that's a translation by the way. Okay. So at the time, Eastern disciplines such as Kung Fu and karate were becoming all the rage. And I'm assuming because it was thanks to karate kid. No, I guess it has yeah, to be. It makes sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that came out in the eighties. I mean, there's what's the Jackie Chan movies too? You know, oh, that's much later full. though. Uh, really? Yeah, Jackie Chan. Well, I mean, Jackie... into the Western world, I should say. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm just thinking that the kung fu style movies in Hong Kong are. I mean, I'm sure they were around in the what 60s, 70s. Yeah, maybe? but they just weren't as popular for sure. For you sure. know, to become trendy. Yeah, I mean, you're the one who studied film, so I'm going to go with you in that. <laughs> well, I just watched a lot of films. <laughs> so, I do remember and Karate dates. Kid was huge at my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go with you, I'll go with you. That makes sense. Okay, so it was at this time that he and his brother decided to capitalize on this popular trend and turn their hobby and passion into a business, and they opened a gym together in Bilbao. 
when they became adults, obviously. Mm. However, his brother was killed oh, wow. in an accident at the very gym that they owned. This is sounding suspicious. Right? He was crushed by a freight elevator. Uh. Yeah, that's pretty gruesome, right? Yeah. And, at, you know, following his arrest, Aguilar's arrest, the authorities did later look into this death to see oh, if he had my. anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well but, that was responsible. Yeah, right. They were like, what about that death of his brother back in the day? So, um, yeah, I couldn't find any information if they made any progress okay. in that investigation. Well, but hey, this guy is sounding pretty suspicious. Aguilar is sounding dodgier and dodgier yeah. as the time goes by. Okay, so it was after this occurred, um, and in one report, it was like 1992, could have been 1993, I'm not sure of the year. He um, <clears throat> he left for China, okay, uh, where he spent a year in the Henan province. Yeah, Henan. Henan yeah. province, um, traveling and transforming himself into an ancient warrior, <laughs> the so-called Shaolin monks. Wow. And now I say so-called because, um, according to one article, it said that these monks haven't existed in China for over 300 years. But I'm not sure if that's true. Do you have any There's information about them? There's definitely a monastery them? there. And it's... There is a Shaolin temple yeah. in China. And then they have mm. temples around in other countries. Yeah. But do you have any <clears throat> information about the Shaolin monks? In particular, I mean, I read the article on Wikipedia because I was supposed to give some intro about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any information? The thing is, I was going with that was your only homework, Douglas. It was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and I did read it, and I okay. Can I you did, recall what you read? I don't recall if it was open or not, but I know it's a it's a famous tourist attraction, and the guys dress up as monks and do acrobatics. Yeah. And you know, yeah, uh, it's it's a very historical monastery. It was founded in the fifth century, and it's got oh. incredible history. Okay, but that's the thing. I don't know if they're still giving out certificates. certificates. That's <laughs> that's a bit of a well. We'll find out later about this yes. guy's actual yes. Yes. certification. Indeed, indeed, it is in Hernando. So you got so then right. after this little uh, transformation that he went through. He came back, <clears throat> and upon his return, he professed to be the first Westerner to be titled a Shaolin master in China. 93 items. And he put his new skills and his Buddhist philosophies into his new and improved gym called Zen 4 in 1995. Interesting. Yep. I mean, Zen is from Japan. Chen is from China. <laughs> It's the same idea. Yeah, you know. Uh, just saying, just saying. <laughs> okay. He is being very Orientalist at this moment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he's like, who's going to know? Exactly. Nobody's going to know. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of mixing and matching anyway. <laughs> okay, so this was in 1995. And this uh, gym was located on Maximo Aguirre Street mm -hmm. in Bilbao. Do you know this street? It's like in, in, It's like near the museum. Okay, okay. Um. So... I mean, I looked at some of the videos and some of the his website of like mm -hmm. images of this mm -hmm. gym, and it was huge. It was like a huge space. Yeah, that's a nice part of town. As exactly, well. and so, so I was thinking, like, dang, that's like expensive real estate. If yeah. you bought it or even rented it, it would be very yeah, I'm sure. expensive. Even in '95. Yeah, mm. 
Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> in addition to that, he also founded the Ocean of Tranquility Monastery. A monastery? Located at the same location. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so dodgy. <laughs> yes, and it was there that he would impart his knowledge and wisdom that he'd acquired on his cathartic journey to China. My gosh. Yes. I'm okay. by all the cultural mm -hmm. appropriation. So, you know, that being said, yeah, <laughs> he was actually quite skilled, apparently, in, oh. in uh, martial arts. Some points, okay. So he was crowned World Kung Fu Champion three times. World Kung Fu Champion. And that's a real thing? Was I don't know. I didn't look it up. <laughs> it just said. That's what it said. He was crowned World Kung Fu Champion three times and a national champion on eight occasions. Okay. So, okay. I mean. Interesting. He was skilled, I guess. Um, he became a well-known figure in the martial arts world and a media darling and representative of that world in the late 1990s. And he was extensively interviewed by newspapers, television, radio, and I watched a lot of these okay. interviews while I was researching this. Would you go as far as to say minor celebrity? Yeah, I would. Okay, okay. I would. Okay. I could see how wow. people would watch him and be like, oh, I need to go take some classes from that guy. I, I remember when a crime came out, he, he had like a shaved head. Does, does yeah, he always I'll have get that into shaved? that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah. So... <laughs> Apart from being a three-time Kung Fu world champion, Aguilar stood out for his appearance as a Chinese warrior. And this was uh, what ended up capturing the media's attention. So in dozens of interviews, he styled himself as a Shaolin master, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and appeared dressed in the orange robes of the Shaolin monks with his head shaved while skillfully performing a series of precise excuse me, exercises that stood out for their very hardcore nature. The fact that he was doing all these very hardcore, like deadly looking exercises, mm. it was juxtaposed with his, um, you know, the interviews where he's expressing his Buddhist philosophy. Mm. And uh, here's one of the quotes that I translated from Castilian to English. He said, as a Buddhist, I believe that souls are human beings. I communicate with them. I ask them for permission, and I ask them for forgiveness. Okay. What do you think that means? <laughs> um, Souls are human beings. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounds like something you would say to make people go, "Oh, that's yeah, it's deep. a bit empty, though." <laughs> like, if right? You, if you believe in souls, every human being has a soul. Mm -hmm. But yeah, why would it be a separate human? Yeah, just randomly seeing ghosts everywhere. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I'm, I'm a Western Buddhist. So, I mean, Western Buddhism is more of a kind of rational understanding of Buddhism, which is closer to like what people like the monks in Thailand think, actually. It's, it's maybe not the, the general public, but it's just, yeah, we don't, we don't go for the soul thing. Okay. It's like you can achieve enlightenment, but there's nobody's talking about souls. Okay. Nothing special. Okay. So in another interview, he stated, this is also a translation. When a person is on the edge, his true nature is seen. We have many breaks like the animals that we are. And we try to strengthen those breaks through martial arts. So he's using, I think his Buddhism is like a, you know, 
like advertising for his yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah, right. He's, he's, he's using it. And I think what he's trying to say is that we as humans are animals by nature, mm. but we're equipped with the means to put the brakes on our natural tendency to violence. I mean, I definitely think physical exercise is great, you know, for mental health. Mm hmm. And definitely helps us with lots of kinds of discipline. So, you know, for sure. Okay. Just his use is just using Buddhism so much there. <laughs> As a promotional tool. Yeah, it goes against my, my heart, but it's it's good. Okay. It's good. I'm listening. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it was in these interviews where he expressed this ideology in the form of a mantra, which gained him many followers or disciples, which is how a lot of the articles described his students as disciples. I mean, when you're talking Just about getting you know, religious again, kung fu right? or something, it, it's it's acceptable. Okay, because so, it's a discipline, right? Yeah, exactly. So after this, of course, after all of this media attention, his business began to flourish. And this is a quote from one article. He began to enjoy great popularity within martial arts circles, but also sparked controversy among his closest disciples. He demanded obedience and money from people who had trained under him, but then wanted to go their own way. So. You know, he, I guess if they wanted to leave, he was still demanding money from them or something. That's a bit thuggish. Yeah. <laughs> he became more and more difficult to deal with and his self of, or sorry, his sense of self-importance grew and developed into a studied mysticism that did not endear him to many within the Kung Fu sphere. Yeah, that's definitely sounding more like a cult. That's mm. the unquote. Yeah. Mm. He also changed his name oh. to a, here's another word, orientalized... <laughs> Okay, version Huang C Huang C H H U A N G C Huang C okay so does that mean anything in particular I could be many things but I am assuming it's Huang from Huang He the Yellow River but you know yellow whatever does it mean yellow if, if it comes from Huang He which is the Yellow River, maybe, but you know, uh. because Chinese is a tonal language and there's no tones on that, and even if it had True. a tone, it could still be various words, but yeah, okay, okay. So, um, you might have guessed that by this point, he didn't actually have any credentials. Um, mm -hmm. so the Shaolin Temple that is in Spain, which is the only center in the country recognized by the Shaolin Temple in China. Mm later confirmed that Aguilar was neither a Shaolin master nor a monk, and his false identity was finally officially exposed when he was arrested. Um, but there were two occasions during his career where he was almost outed as, like, publicly as a farce. Mm -hmm. So one of them was at a performance in Marbella mm -hmm. in 1997. Um, for those of you who don't know, Marbella is a very wealthy enclave or city. In Spain. Yeah. Spain in the South. Yeah. Lots of famous people live there. Yeah. Lots, lots of money. mansions, mm -hmm. money. Yeah. yeah. So those famous people were among the spectators, mm. which then, of course, caused a lot of buzz about his show, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the fact that they were going to be there. Um, so in the end, the performance caused a controversy due to the extreme violence used. Ooh. So apparently it was a rather violent <laughs> performance. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And the second time was in 2000 in Espinosa. Espinosa mm -hmm. in Burgos? 
where it goes. Okay, I couldn't have told you where it was, but yeah. Yeah, so that's the town where his parents were from. Oh. And on this occasion, the performance advertised a daring feat that consisted of pushing a car while a spear was poking him in the throat. Hmm. He was charging the town council 1,200 euros for this display that he essentially never did. Oh. And in the end, he just did some stunts and broke some bricks. So the locals and the council felt pretty cheated. Fair enough. Interesting. Shall we take a break? Let's go, Frank. Okay, let's do it. We're back. Hey. Hey. That was a nice break. Yeah, it was. It's perfect. So just what we needed before we get into the darkness. Oh, my gosh. So uh, let's get into the crimes. So, Douglas, hang on to your chapella because this is pretty horrible. Hang on. Hang on. (laughs) Okay. So on the morning of June 2nd, 2013, Aguilar was cruising for a sex worker on General Concha Street. We all know the street, right? We do, we do, yeah. yes, in, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, when he encountered the Nigerian, so I only could get information about this woman that she was a Nigerian. They didn't mm. ever said where she was from. It's, well, it's, it did say that she so. had spent three years in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, the year before she moved, she was in Bilbao for about a year mm. when this happened. And mm. I think, and before that she was in Vitoria and I think she was in another Somewhere else. Before before that. That. Yeah. Okay. Her name was Maureen Ada Atuya. Mm. So he encountered her. He brought her back to his gym for sex, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And it was nine hours later when a neighbor who lived near the gym mm-hmm. saw a woman frantically trying to escape oh my gosh. The, the space, um, but couldn't because the shutters of the front entrance were preventing her from leaving. Oh, my Gosh, yeah, that is terrible. Horrific. And so the witness, her name was Veronica. She later testified in court that she was passing by when she heard the woman's desperate cries for help and called the Archancha. Okay. The Archancha is the Basque police exactly. force. They're the regional police force. Yeah. This is a quote from her testimony. I saw a person of color yelling mm. for help. It was a person of color. And another person who dragged her down by the hair. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's what she said in the trial. Um, When the police arrived, they had to force the entrance of the gym open, and they found Maureen, like, in kind of like a back room Mm -hmm. um, that they had also had to force open, like Mm -hmm. a really small space, apparently, that she was in. Um, She was semi-hidden by some mattresses and covered by a cloth. Her clothes were torn, and she was bloodied and unconscious. Her hands and feet were bound with cable ties, and she had two turns of duct tape around her neck. Mm. And beneath the tape was a cord that was wrapped five times around her neck and a garret tightening it. What is a garret? A garret's like that. It's like, oh, it's terrible. If you like, if if you're strangling somebody, it's like you put a rope. Let's see if I can explain oh, it. Like a, like they put a, a rope around your neck, hope. and then they have like a stick or something. Or rod uh-huh. that they turn oh, to right, tighten it. Right. Okay. I see what you mean. Right? right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she was still alive. Yeah. Well, she had suffered a brutal attack, <sighs> so brutal that she had to be revitalized on the scene. Oh my gosh. So they had to like do CPR on yeah. her before being transported to Basurto Hospital, mm-hmm. where she remained in a coma for two days 
before succumbing to her injuries and dying. Apparently, when the police found Aguilar in the gym along with his victim, he went calmly with them when arrested, so he didn't resist or anything. And it was when the police searched the property that they found garbage bags containing human remains. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh. At the time, they were unsure if the remains belonged to one or more individuals. Oh. And it turns out that it was, in fact, just one other individual. Okay. So on May 25th, so this was like, what, that was the second, seven days before that, eight days before that. Okay. I don't know how many months, how many days are there in May? <laughs> 31, 31. Okay, so. I'm from May. Do the math. <laughs> um, Aquilar picked up uh, Yeni Sofia Rebollo. Mm-hmm. She's a Colombian um, mother of two. Mm who, according to friends and family, was experiencing some personal and economic hard times when this happened. Right. Um, in one article, it did say that there had been a missing person report out on her. Um, and it appears as though the family, that the family that she spoke to regularly still resided in Colombia, so that they maybe had submitted a report. Right. But it was really unclear whether or not there was a missing person report right. on her. Maybe. Because she had been missing for days at this maybe point, all right? her family was in colombia and she couldn't and they just didn't talk to her for a yeah, period it's, just, it's not as yeah it's not as urgent if yeah if your mom doesn't come home for seven days but right if, if they're in colombia it's yeah right but yeah the <laughs> fact that she was a mother of two um but anyway she was like separated from her partner at the time i guess mm-hmm. who she had the two children with okay so i don't know if he I mean, Reported it's quite, missing, quite or... common in Latin America and, and many other countries where, you know, mothers will leave their children with maybe their grandparents and go work in Europe or North America. No, no, but the children were here in Bilbao. Here. She had a partner here and two children here in so, Bilbao. Like, hadn't she been dead for like seven days? Yeah. So what happened to the kids? I don't know. Okay. That's well, what I never found out. It's a shame. I, mean, I, know. I hope they're fine. That's why I thought there must have been a missing person report on her. Yeah, and one place it said that there was, and then another it said that there wasn't. So I don't know. So anyway, so perhaps somebody did follow a report, mm-hmm. but in one article it stated that she'd been reported missing, but another said she hadn't. Mm-hmm. And so I just said. So in addition, um, she worked as a hairdresser, but mm-hmm. her family said that she had told them she'd gotten a new job at a spa. Okay. And I only mention all this because it was widely reported that she was also a sex worker. Mm, yeah, kind of unfair reporting. Yeah. I'm sure. So, therefore, yeah. that was how she became a victim of his, I guess. Okay, so she maybe. might have, but who knows. But maybe he, you know, I don't know. Anyway, we can't speculate too much because we don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, when did you become a sex worker? The first time you accept money for something? Surely. I mean, you know. Sounds like she was just on hard times, but yeah. in any case, um, our heart goes out to her family who lost her yeah. way too early. Um, it was clear that he was prowling for like vulnerable women, obviously, mm, yeah. right? So at his trial, the prosecutor argued that um, Aguilar had it all figured out. This is a quote. Mm-hmm. He chose the victim carefully as she was a vulnerable woman in a situation of social exclusion with little support social support and network in Bilbao, an immigrant from a very low socioeconomic status who was not going to be missed by anyone. So that's 
how he mm. described the victims of Aguilar. Mm. That is a woman whom he considered easy prey. I mean, in a way, you could see him sort of building up to that, in, you know, in the sense that he set up his gym in, in a way for people who are broken souls, if you see what I mean, too. So he's already kind of looking for people to prey on for his gym in terms of instead of going to psychologist, which is the healthy thing to do when you have <laughs> yeah. issues, right? Yeah, yeah. Like just do Kung Fu is not, you know, number one. True. And a lot of people that studied, I guess, under him mm. said that it felt like kind of a cult-like atmosphere. Yeah, he, 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 I think he'd already been recognizing some sort of easy easy to prey on people yeah yeah oh yeah and i'll go into that yeah okay okay so as i said before the police began a full investigation after the discovery of the crime committed against maureen ada oturia the one that they busted in and found body pieces and their probe included a full search of both his home and the gym the gym contained all kinds of weapons knives saws axes and sabers all of nice. which can be seen if you watch any of his promotional videos for the for the gym. Okay. Yeah, on his on YouTube or on his website. Like if you look at the images of the place, yeah, they're all like hung up and lining the walls of the place. Yeah. A lot of his like uh, performance. I don't know how to describe it. It's about a show, right? It is a show. Yeah. So it was like how to, you know, throw an axe around or how mm. to mm. saber somebody. I don't know. Saber yeah. somebody? Can you say that? <laughs> I, don't think I guess. You can. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but anyway, um, in theory, so so I guess in theory, all of these are part of a martial arts practice. I never studied martial arts, kung fu or otherwise, karate. I mean, I don't remember any of this stuff being in karate from no. the Karate Kid. I think I did kung fu actually. <laughs> I don't even remember if it was Kung Fu exactly. I know I don't remember that in Kung Fu either. I, but, but yeah, we never had too many of those. But I do remember... Oh, you did Kung Fu? Yeah, but like for a year or something. I oh. White belt. Oh. I think it was Kung Fu. That's the thing. I'm not quite is sure. Is that the it highest? No, it's black, no, isn't it? was <laughs> the first one. I could barely... White is the first. I think, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I only got the first, okay. if I even got there. Because I remember I did something wrong. It must have been for the second belt. You did something wrong? Oh. No, I, it, yeah, it was just. And they're like, you don't get your belt. <laughs> yeah, no, but I knew I didn't deserve it because I just didn't even stand correctly because you had to stand like as if you were mounting on a horse sort of stand, you know, like, you know, kind of crouchy, but in the air. Okay. Um, and I just kind of opened my legs, making like an A. So I clearly wasn't doing the correct <laughs> okay. position for the whole movement thing. So, uh, it, you know, I was just nervous, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you How know. How old were you? Another hard question. Probably 11, 12. Okay. You were a child. I was a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it, suffice to say, what I mean is I don't remember any metal hanging in the walls it was just right at, <laughs> yeah at most some i've not ever seen you know, that either in twirling it. yeah nunchucks yeah or like a like a stick yeah like a, like a pole yeah. yeah yeah actually that's a relevant thing to mention in the sense that one of the specialities of the shaolin temple was was pole 
fighting. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in one of his videos. Okay. So we got something right. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I didn't see. Yeah, there's. You should watch these videos. Anyway, anyway we'll link them dark. in our Instagram, ah, right? I'm Maybe some links to, our, to his videos. DNA was discovered on some of those items and were therefore determined to be used in the execution of his crimes and the eventual dismemberment of poor Yenny. So yes, she was dismembered. Oof. So the bags containing Yenny's remains were found in various locations. There was some in a false ceiling of the gym. Oh. Yeah. Um, also oh. in on the balcony of his apartment... Yeah, that's where I thought the gym was. Oh my god. No, that's where he lived. The Chino yeah. Misterioso yeah. Street. That's just Yeah. This is a restaurant we love to go to. Yeah, it's really good Chinese food. It's excellent. I don't yeah, it's horrible. On the balcony. And you know what was in that bag? No. Do you want me to guess? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> you want? No, no, there's enough guessing in this podcast already. Okay, it was her <laughs> breast implants. Oh my gosh, were found in that bag. What the... Yeah, uh... yeah, okay, I know that's kind of gory. So, anyway, it's not even a thing a plant would absorb with time. I mean, sorry. well, he didn't bury them in plants, it was in a bag on his what balcony. Bag? Oh, I suppose he for doesn't even smell, yeah, clearly, he doesn't have plants. He's a Sorry. Yeah. Um, mm. He also burned part of the body in the showers of the gym. So this place was so big that it had showers and stuff for the students. Oh, is, my gosh. It's a huge place. And then he got rid of what he could by throwing some into the Bilbao estuary. Oh, my gosh. That's right. He threw them in the river. Uh, yeah. So they were able to see that he was caught on the security cameras at Dusto University. Oh, I was going to say, oh, like, shit into the they, river. how did they find bits? Like, they didn't. Clear? They never found yeah, anything. Yeah. Okay. That they makes... just had video footage or security camera footage of him uh... throwing things into the river. So creative, huh? I guess. <laughs> um, he clearly had some trouble here. He wasn't actually getting rid of stuff anyway. He's already effed up. Well, he wasn't like skilled at being a serial killer. Apparently. Not at all. This is, yeah, I was looking for some skill. I guess that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Just pretending skill the whole time. <clears throat> so, in addition to all this horrifying stuff that they found in his gym mm -hmm. and his house, mm -hmm. they also found a plethora of photos and videos of many women mm -hmm. in what was referred to as obscene, quote unquote, obscene and submissive poses. So included okay. among these women were the two victims. Oh, he right. had photos of the two victims. Okay. And um, I know that at least one of them testified. Oh, good to hear. At his trial. Mm -hmm. That was in the photos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, and then others, I'm not sure if they found that there was one article that I read that that quoted some of the women that he had. Um, relationships with, I guess, mm. that were his disciples. Mm, right. Who also talked about him photographing them and stuff. Or, okay. You know? So, but I also would hope that they investigated all the, the people pictures. that were in the pictures, right? So that they would see Thing if there was is, any other victims. If it was America, I'd say yes, because there's a software that just matches people with faces. But 
in Europe it's very hard with like privacy. Blogs. But I suppose you could find out like who were his students and who. I mean, yeah, I mean. If you start questioning people that knew him. Sure, it's a big murder. Hopefully they put some effort into it. Yeah. I hope you're right. Well, so one of them um, did testify. Good. Um, so according to students or his students and others who knew him, his behavior following the murder of Yeni Sophia mm -hmm. was of apparent normality. He continued his routine of giving classes to his students. And although it was common for him to suffer from fits of anger. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was normal in class. Apparently I thought he'd get all mad, get pissed. Um, one of his disciples did notice him being especially angry and more restless than usual. Mm. So the fact that he just went on with his daily. One of them. I mean, come on. I know. Surely everybody was scared out of their pants. But anyway. Yeah. So those were the two murders that he was um, arrested and tried for. Mm. Should we take a break before we get into the trial? Let's do that. We're back. We're back. We're okay. Back. Yeah. So it's happened. It he murdered was, these two women. It was yes, that's pretty bad. So after his arrest, in his first statement to the Archancha, he admitted yeah. that he intended to kill Ortuya, and that he also confessed to the murder of Raboyo days earlier. Right. So apparently, in his police interrogation, he admitted to all that. Um, the explanation that Aguilar gave was that he was delusional. <laughs> he had a fit of oh. going out of control, that's in quotes, due to a tumor in his head. Oh, my gosh. And then about um, Rebollo, Yeni, he said, girl, yeah. yeah, he said, realizing that she was dead, I tried to get rid of her. I had flashes in perception. Reality was mixed with loss of control, <sighs> which has happened to me for the last four years. He oh, said four years. I mean, I'd... so this is his explanation as to why this happened. I just think he's killed more people. So he says this four years. This was he was referring to when he climbed a altitude of over 5,000 meters and somewhere. I don't know tumor. where. Just saying. And he suffered from a kind of quote unquote imminent death. <laughs> so I don't know what so that got, means. Got... I'm telling you, this is a translation. So I don't yeah, really know if I got it got, right. What'd you call it? Isn't it height sickness? What'd you call it when you're. Altitude, altitude altitude sickness that's all he got yeah to the Andes. <laughs> he, he thinks he got a tumor oh so according to him um since that day my my thinking slows down i have disconnections i feel that my brain stops so those are all his quotes hmm. although in reality the medical diagnosis was quite different the doctors found that um an arachnoid yeah, cyst Arachnoid cyst. Okay. So I had to look up what arachnoid was. It's just in the shape of a spider. Uh, it's well, it's literally a, a, the cyst is a delicate, the delicate covering of the brain or the spinal cord. So there's like a mesh or something that covers your brain and spinal cord. Right. So there was a cyst on that. On that okay. membrane. Okay. So the left the temporal bone. So it was on that. On the head. On yeah. that part of the brain. Um, and it was congenital. So. This means, you know, that he had had it his whole life, according yeah. to these. Yeah. So he didn't get this, it. Yeah. Four this years ago. This. Yeah. 
So anyway, the treatment for this type of condition normally is like just medication mm -hmm. for memory. Sometimes people have memory problems, I guess, mm -hmm. and maybe some behavioral problems. But, but mm -hmm. at the time of his trial, he tried to use this condition as a defense and he was deemed to have no psychiatric disorders. Good. So, so the medical experts said that, no, he's, this is not causing him to murder people, basically. Yeah. On April 15th, 2015, so that's two years after all this. So it took two that years long later to get, to, get to trial. Well, there's all the investigation as well. Yeah, I guess. true. So, April 15th, 2015, the trial against Aguilar began for the murder of the two women. Five men and four women made up the jury in a court hearing that generated an enormous amount of media attention. Aguilar was the first to testify. But before listening to Aguilar, the judicial secretary read the document that he himself wrote acknowledging the murders with mm -hmm. treachery. Good. I mean, so this is confess, another quote from right? him that he yeah, asked. So he must have signed a confession yeah. when he was being interrogated. I acted suddenly, unpredictably, and unexpectedly. So what I take from that quote is that he was telling them when they were attacked, they didn't expect it. They didn't see it coming. Oh, right. That's, you know what I, I mean? Okay. I thought he was just excusing Like he was just for not playing fine. like a John, a normal John with sure. a sex worker. Sure. And then suddenly turned on them. The only time that he cooperated with the investigation was in an attempt to get a reduction of the charges levied against him and therefore a shorter sentence. Mm. So throughout the entire trial, his attitude um, attracted a lot of attention, I guess, from the media. He was really restrained he was impassive and he was acting as if he was oblivious to what was happening around him he kept his eyes closed the majority of the time with his hands like folded in front of his face like this like how would you describe this posture like, uh, he sat like this the whole time how would you yeah. describe that if you had hands to paint a picture of this image <laughs> i'd say hands interlocked maybe like, like a, prayer. a prayer yeah 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 like yeah um meditative but yeah that's almost offensive to use that <laughs> yeah at no time as the judge himself underlined did he show the slightest hint of regret at the conclusion of the trial he refused to make a final statement as well so he never even made like because usually at the end of a trial i mean i can only i don't know how it works here but mm -hmm. you're always given when you're sentenced and everything you're given an opportunity to say yeah. something to answer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, or apologize that he mm -hmm. did none of that. Um, during the questioning by the prosecutor, Jose Maria Morales was the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. He mostly gave one-word answers, except for, I admit everything. That's what he said. Okay, well Like, then. did you do this? Yes, I admit everything. And then he would ask, like, did you kick her? Yes. Did you do, did you strangle her? Yes. Oh so just like one word answers. I guess that's him. So he was kind of like right? a uncooperative witness, but cooperative in his own right? trial. Like, isn't I get? I mean, because he's forced to, he can't just sit there. I don't know. If he just denies it, isn't that gonna increase? He didn't sentence? deny it though. That's the thing. Exactly. Isn't so that he was like, I don't. And which is strange because, of, mm. like in the American system, mm -hmm. I think if you plead guilty mm. to the crime and you say I admit everything, then they just sentence you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but here again, I, I guess they still go through the trial to for damages. I'm not sure. No, I don't. I don't know. know. I don't know. I got to find out. 
I mean, it makes sense. Listen, people, I will try to find out more about the Spanish system. <laughs> it will, we'll learn about it as time goes by. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so many of the testimonies throughout the trial were from dozens of women who had had relationships with this guy. Um, one of the key, and in my opinion, the most shocking of testimonies was that of one of his disciples, as they keep referring to people. Mm -hmm. And they gave her name, uh, her name was Maria Eva. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm only going to share her name just because she had a more publicized testimony. Right, okay. So she was 28. Um, she was a 28 year old woman that had had a relationship with him. So the day after Yeni's murder, mm. uh, the witness was with Aguilar. Okay. He asked her to go to the gym and to wait for him in a room while in another room, he used a hammer, a drill and a chainsaw. In addition to the noise, the young woman claimed that he mumbled phrases like whores, black whores. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so dark and horrible. I know. I mean, you know, yeah, there's another podcast that I listen to. It's it's your worst dates. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the recurring <laughs> themes is always, why did you stay there longer? Why did you stay there longer, right? Like, why is she still there? Why is she in a small room with a guy hacking at Well, and I, say? because I think that this was the hold he had on these people that were in his... Oh. People. Jim, you know, yeah. like, because I'll go on to say, like, I'll tell you what another woman said. Okay. So um, two hours later, he blindfolded her and took her into the next room. He laid her down on the bed and, quote, told me to make an excited face and took three or four photos of me. So this must have been something they did normally or something. Sure like she, I mean, the way she's testifying pictures. sounds like the way that maybe he always acted with her. And so that she was yeah. game. Yeah. For this type of stuff. Then he took my hand and told me to touch something. He held it and made me feel it. I thought it was a bed. I touched something cold and hard. Maria Ava didn't know it, but she had just touched Yeni's corpse. Oh, my gosh, yeah. After that, she left, and he took off in his car along with several bags. And so I guess with the oh, parts that he got gosh. rid of. So two of the photos that were discovered by the police depicted Yeni's dead body. Okay. And there is a blindfolded woman seen in the foreground, which turned out to be this oh. witness, Eva or Maria Eva. My God. Fucking horrifying, right? It's horrible. It's nightmarish. I mean, I know. Any sort of killing is nightmarish, but that is just twisted. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy, I'm happy they said it was congenital. He didn't get it four years ago. He's always been fucked up like that. No, but they didn't say, but they also said that it wasn't a cause of this behavior. Exactly. He's so, always been so based on what they all say, let's say he kind of got like, based on all the articles I read that he was just becoming more and more like he's a narcissist, right? He mm -hmm. thinks he's like some mystical creature that's. Yeah. Like a minor star, believing he's important. Yeah. Um, Maria Eva gave the jury background information alluding to the murderer's aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. So this is what she talked about in their sex life, I guess. Mm -hmm. He hit my breasts, my ass, my arms and butt, and he pulled my hair. And he excused himself with, it was a relief to get rid of the anger, the bitterness. He told me that I was his partner for everything. And so her submissive relationship with him, she 
claimed was very sick. Yeah, slightly offensive is cloaking that in a Buddhist mm-hmm. <laughs> mantle. I mean, that is pretty out there. Not yeah. supposed to, of course, Jesus. Anyway. The woman who testified about their intimate relationships with Aguilar, or their teacher, also testified to the fact that they felt an authentic veneration for him. So they like looked up to him as like some sort of, well, I don't I mean, know, you yogi, know, I guess. If you're truly more was, powerful and impressive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, veneration though, Jesus is yeah. such a strong word. One woman said that she was grateful to him because she was an antisocial woman and he had taught her to communicate with a man, to know what life was like. She said she didn't mind being called a whore by her guide, nor that he wanted to play the most abject sexual games with her, nor that he slept with all of the other women, nor that he almost choked her to unconsciousness when they had sex. I mean, sexual, sexual. I mean, yeah, there's all kinks, sexual kinks, right? And if it's done safely, you know, ten points to everybody. Great, lovely. Yeah, I'm not kink shaming. No, but but thing, thing. He doesn't I mean, sound right, right? I mean, we yes, that part. <laughs> yeah. Another agreed to all the whims of the leader. Although she defined Aguilar as a superb, arrogant, manipulative, and self-centered guy to the point of forming his gym into a kind of sect. Mm-hmm. Clearly, yes. So they did good. recognize that he was like forming some sort of cult mm. with his followers. Clearly. How sad. Yeah. After seven days of trial, the jury unanimously found Aguilar guilty of two murders with treachery, but without cruelty. So apparently he could have gotten more time in prison if they could prove cruelty oh that's so fucked up that's such a right freaking system i know i was like how is that not cruel yeah i don't yeah that is really like what is it you have to show to to show cruelty yeah i can't yeah that's ridiculous it's like yeah like i think yeah one of the problems of being in a Basque country under a Spanish judicial system is these fucked up things where, you know, like there's all these things about rape with women where it's like not rape unless, you know, it's like these ridiculous yeah. little... No, I know. I can think of, yeah, several I, I mean, I get really angry just thinking, yeah, and it's just offensive when you think about it, which, you know, I was going to say earlier, because as you started the, the trial section, I was like, my comments might not have been understood if you don't understand. I just do not believe in the justice system here. So I was kind of surprised that they were doing things correctly <laughs> to some extent. Like, oh, only four years? Oh, well. Well, in general, I, when I hear stories about the judicial system here, I'm. Um, it's always because there's been a judicial, like, flaw, mm. right? And that there's outrage as a result, right? So those are the stories that I actually, clue into yeah more often so i always think how fucked up is that you know like and then it's outrage but whereas here ostensibly it worked out and yet it's still fucked up yeah because how is that not cruel yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah no i know i I agree we're definitely swaying this podcast aren't we yeah well yeah yeah (laughs) i'm keeping some of them back (laughs) (laughs) okay Before we offend anybody in the judicial system, we all do our best. best. I mean, the law is the law, and you have to go by the law. Like, don't get me wrong, all of them are flawed. So, so there's no perfect justice in the world. Let's say, 
definitely criticizing the books. <laughs> so anyway, this got him sentenced to 38 years in prison for the two okay. murders. 38 years. It's a good amount. Um, this verdict it took into account that he never showed any um, repentance. Mm-hmm. And he would have gotten more time had they proven cruelty, apparently. But it would have been like a couple of years or something, but still. Mm-hmm. And um, the lawyer, Maureen's lawyer, the one that represented Maureen, the mm-hmm. woman that was... Um, the first. The woman. one that is, was trying to escape. Oh, the second one. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was dissatisfied with the verdict and the sentence since he says, we believe that cruelty is proven. So he thought that they had proven that yeah. in court and couldn't believe that they didn't agree. So I anyway, agree with him, um, the prosecution had requested 45 years for mm-hmm. his sentence on the understanding that average, uh, sorry, understanding that the aggravating circumstance of cruelty should be taken into account. Mm-hmm. The maximum sentence that Aguilar can serve is 25 years in prison at the time, at, at the time of this. So at current legislation at the time. So yeah. on a side point i have a um student who is a law clerk mm-hmm. and i asked her about that about mm. maximum those sentences. maximum yeah. sentences that people can serve and she said that it was only a few years ago that they changed it oh, good. so you could you could legally sentence somebody for longer or keep them in yeah if you're really cruel <laughs> yeah um so in addition to this prison sentence he was ordered to pay the family of ms uh Rebollo. Two thousand, no, sorry, two hundred fifty-two thousand euros. Okay, so a good chunk of money, That's... and the relatives of Miss Otoya, one hundred forty-five euros, one hundred forty-five thousand euros. Sorry, okay, okay. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> really I'm just gonna say that. Too. That's wow. That's a discrepancy. No, um, but she also got less. I don't know what. I guess because of what happened. To the uh, remains of Miss Rebellia. I don't know. Yes. She I'm was. not really sure what the yeah, background was. was to those decisions. Um, okay. So, yeah. He was sentenced to jail and ordered to pay the families this amount of money. Mm-hmm. So, his release from prison is scheduled for 2038. Yeah, Can you believe that? Doesn't feel too far away. And that he won't even be that old. I mean, I guess he'll be like in his 60s. He was born in 65. Do the math, Douglas. I can't. No, I don't do math. I don't either. He'll be appropriately I should have have done the math before we recorded. He'll look great as a monk. Yeah, well, he might be bald naturally by then. You should try, like, meditating in a cell alone for 15 years. But, but, in 2021, he could enjoy his first parole. But I didn't hear that he had gotten parole. Six little years. I know, right? That's not very long. For two two women, murders. Totally uh, clear killings. Yeah. Totally. Very sad. Well, I'm, I'm going to say very no, no good points for the justice system, really. They put well, him in prison, but what else did they do? I mean, I think a lot of people are going to have opinions about that because, well, especially, I mean, I'm American, right? So. We have life it in prison and we have it a death penalty. Yeah. So to to Americans, that would seem like a very short sentence for two murders. Absolutely. For something that was so cruel or like vicious and mm-hmm. and like, you know, like a serial killer. Never yeah. let those guys out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, just about the fact that he claimed to be this Shaolin monk and master, right? So the Shaolin temple in Spain is the only center in the country that is recognized by the Shaolin temple in China. I think Uh I've mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. It has confirmed that Aguilar is neither a Shaolin master or a monk. Mm -hmm. Shifu Carlos Alvarez, a master and instructor at the Shaolin temple in Spain, Mm -hmm. said that Aguilar lacks all of the requisites to be a monk. (laughs) Unfortunately, many Chinese certificates are obtained in an irregular manner. <laughs> so that might explain oh, how yeah. he might have had a, a certificate, right? Yeah, yeah. And then for his part, Master Shifu Bruno Tombolado, mm-hmm. one of the leading figures in the Shaolin art in mm-hmm. Spain, a central figure in the Shaolin Gong Fu school in Madrid, mm-hmm assures that he only knew Aguilar from videos and magazines, but insinuates that he always doubted his claims Mm. as a monk or a master. Yeah. He said, he said he was, this is a quote from him. He said he was the first Westerner to be ordained, be an ordained, sorry, to be an ordained Shaolin, Mm -hmm. but there are no Westerners ordained yet. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Ordained, especially as a monk. Yeah, Yeah. I would, I would say that's kind of easy to check. Whether it was just, a, I, I thought it was more like a, you know, the sports side, you know. Yeah, like as in the skill, like the, the martial arts. Yeah, the martial arts side. One thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. the monk, yeah. Um, and then I got some statistics and information from a website that I found, femicidio.net, mm-hmm. femicide. Right. That's what that translates to. In Spain, um, in the three years previous, so the 2010 to 2013. So Mm -hmm. he killed them in 2013, right? Yeah. There were no less than 20 prostitutes or sex workers, sorry, killed Mm -hmm. in those, in that span of time. And almost all of those sex workers were foreigners. Mm. Only three of them were Spanish descent. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're they're more vulnerable people. They might yeah. not know that they can call the police, which is a big right. problem as well mm-hmm. in Europe. A lot of people, you know, come from places where police are not a good idea to call. Yeah. So yeah, that's there's so many problems. Yeah. And another sad point that they noted on this is um or on this website was that those responsible for the femicidio.net study. They used information that was based on anything that appeared in the local, regional, and national press. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way they got these stats mm. about sex worker deaths. So it had to deaths. be in the press, right. Mm-hmm. And they also lament that these deceased women are not recorded as gender violence. I mean, they're sex workers. How and so this, nice therefore, it draws the attention to the insecurity with which thousands of women mm. live in who carry out this type of work. Okay, pause time. Yes, and then we'll we'll try to lighten it up we'll with, try. on we'll our try. exit. All right, so we're back. We're back. Hi, they're gorgeous. Hi. That was a very dark story. Was a little bit. Well, yeah, it's normal. I mean, it's true crime, so it's, it's going to be dark. Yeah. Um, so what I would like you to do now, Douglas, is I'd like you to try to guess. Notice I've only used his surname through this yes, whole. Aguilar. This... It is one L, isn't it? Aguilar with one L. Thank you, thank yes. You. Just check out. Um, through this whole podcast. So I want you to try to guess his first name. 
So he was born in Baracaldo. Yes. His so parents' names. Probably have a Basque name or. Yeah, his, his parents', parents names, names. are very clearly from uh, Spain. Yeah. So, I mean, I would. It depends. So, what do you remember what year he was born in? 65. 65. So, that's during the dictatorship, and they weren't mm-hmm. even allowed the best names. So, I'm going to say no. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. People here used to be forced to choose from a list. That's true. Of names that the dictator uh, Franco had made up. Mm-hmm. And he didn't include any Basque names. No, that was a no no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of the Basque you know, thing. Um, let's go with Jose. I'm pretty, you know, so many Jose's out there. Um, no, he is none other than Juan Carlos. Wait a minute. Like, oh my gosh. So that's why he chose Juan in Chinese. He's just. Oh, maybe. I didn't even think about that. That is so stupid. I didn't even think about that. That is the worst thing ever. I didn't even think of that. That is. I mean, if you're kind of lucky to have a name that sounds a little bit, but then again, that would be a surname, I think. Anyway, oh my gosh. Yeah, so he's Juan Carlos. That's the Which is also the name of the king at the time, right? It it, it It was was the name of the king at the time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Loser. Juan with an L. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Juan Carlos, yeah. So that's his name. Um, was there any um, Basque words or words in Euskera that you could teach our listeners? Well, I guess that we, maybe the the crime inspired. I mean, first, I think if if you know we haven't introduced all the words we're using, so one of them is chapella. Ah, yes, I said, hang on to your chapella. Yes. And that's, hang on to your hats might be the translation. Yes. So chapella is a typical hat. It's more like a beret. Mm-hmm. The berets. That but a have, very large beret. They like the big ones. Yes. They like the big ones. So, yeah, it's it's typical. Yeah, like they have the different colors. They have red and black and, and blue and all sorts. Mm-hmm. Here, Bilbao is black. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Why? So Well, it's just a tradition, you know. Okay. Where do they have red ones, for example? Um, isn't it Pamplona? And that would make sense because yeah. in their fiestas they have lots of red. Red, yeah. I think it is. But since we live in Bilbao, we're we're only required to know Bilbao. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can also speculate about all other regions. <laughs> of course, of course. Because you know we're experts now, right? Wow, we're fine. We're just that. No, that. I do not claim to be an expert. I would like to know that I am not an expert. <laughs> exactly not in no. boss culture and or the language. Mm. Douglas, though, however, is a expert. Mm, would I you mean, call I... yourself proficient in Euskera? The Basque language? Fluent, yes. Okay. I'm not sure if proficient, but fluent, yeah. You know, I can chat the whole night in Basque. Mm-hmm. It's just not super correct Basque. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, <laughs> whose language is, right? I mean, I don't speak correct English all the time either. I mean, that's just an excuse. We're all good. But yeah, no, I think today we didn't have many Basque elements to go over. So I think we're, we're good on that side. Mm-hmm. All right, so now it's time for mini crime time. Mini crime time, one of my favorite sections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so our producer Megan Dooley has a little story for us today. 
Yes, so. I do. <laughs> well, actually, I have two stories that I found, and coincidentally, both are happened in Irun, which I don't know much about. I just where uh, is Irun? Yeah, it's just I think right by the border. Right by the border, one. because one of my stories is about the border, actually. Okay, okay. so the French border. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start with that one. So in my the first mini crime time I found was about the border um, between Spanish Basque Country and French Basque Country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at the toll booth, there was a backlog of traffic because a zebra escaped from a trailer <laughs> right at the border. That's nice. <laughs> what? Right at the border. Is it, a, is it a French zebra or is it a Spanish well, zebra? Well, apparently <laughs> it was a zebra. Was he Basque? Okay, yeah, probably. He was heading home. <laughs> to, to Africa? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, there didn't, there was no detail about what a home was, but basically, <laughs> the zebra had been on loan to a zoo, okay. mm-hmm. and was uh, was heading back to wherever he lives. lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he, yeah, he managed to escape for about thirty minutes, trotted around oh. <laughs> with uh, police trying to chase him trying to coax him and then eventually someone managed to have the ingenious idea of getting some dry grass and yeah. did the trick and of course food nice. food is always the key <laughs> quick thinking there that's a very cute story yeah and then my second one which also happens to be wait sorry is... did you see the zebra there was a little video, yeah. Oh, but you didn't see it from your car. Were you at the? Oh, this was just a story you found. This is a story I found. Oh, okay. Some I thought you were there at the at the border. <laughs> oh my god! I wish. There was an animal trafficking, but you know, yeah. let's say some. In a way, some it is traffic animal laws, trafficking. Yeah. Some traffic laws. I mean, laws holding must... up traffic. I'm not sure if there's a real crime there. Keeping a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> holding up traffic. Maybe. Yeah, that can be a crime. Like that could <laughs> really make people angry. Uh, it could cause road rage, you know, which is a crime. Yeah, and apparently there's been a lot of issues on that border with traffic. And they mentioned in the, one of the stories about this zebra that it was like a um, a more fun reason to be held up in traffic at that border. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is cute. Yeah, you wouldn't be so mad. I'd be <laughs> if only I had such interesting stories of crossing borders in Africa, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my second one, uh, also in Irun, in at the I'm gonna massacre this, but the Bilasoa mm-hmm. Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they have had to take um, extra measures in order to. Um, Find the owner of an amputated leg. Oh my gosh. He was not taking care of the, his um, leg. It says apparently, if you have a body part amputated, then it's your responsibility to deal, deal with, with it. it. Oh my gosh. So you normally, I think, contact a funeral home to have it um, embalmed or something. <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> 
what you So you can save want, it? Uh, or cremated. Or bury it. I think cremated <laughs> is probably the, is the usual. But, mm-hmm. um, How weird. And this person had their leg amputated just for the summer and has not collected the leg. <laughs> despite <laughs> the hospital's repeated attempts to contact their person, the owner. <laughs> and so they've had to go... Yeah, they they basically had to contact the local. I don't know um, the Basque government, maybe. Yeah, to. Uh, like, to... I mean, if if it was operated here, there's a national health service, right? So mm-hmm. they will have some basic information on him, but I guess that wasn't enough. <laughs> he was pick, wasn't picking up his phone or something. Yeah, so he they, they wasn't, he wasn't, they couldn't contact him, he wasn't getting back to them, and so they've had to kind of go to the next level, and because if he doesn't collect it, he he can be fined, basically. Whoa. Yeah, up to 500 euros. <laughs> what? <laughs> so this is a, crazy. A serious case of lost and found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come get your leg, mister. <laughs> so those are my two mini crime times. Zebra crossing. Uh-huh. And amputated missing amputed. leg. Both they do them. It's not missing, though. Both they know where it is. The missing guy is man. just like, I don't want it anymore. It was causing me a lot of problems in the first place. That's why I had Yeah, it's amputated. not missing leg. It's missing man of leg. Yes. Yeah. It's causing him nothing but problems. And it's going to continue <laughs> to cause him problems, it sounds like. Yeah, no longer his problem. Yeah, well, so he thinks, but he's going to have to pay a fine. <laughs> and I'm going to be disappointed if we don't have a couple of jokes in our comments, guys. Come on, get, get yeah, what would the, Yeah, what would you do if that was your, like, like I guess because you're going to have to pay for, like, a cremation, or I think it's odd that they aren't, like, disposing of these things, the hospital itself, you know? Yeah. That does seem strange. I mean, yeah. I, mean I don't I think know they'd have about like a, what they would what they do elsewhere either no true so true we should look into that (laughs) never thought about it but But, the idea that you know it's been three months to the point where this article was written you know that he's been skirting his responsibilities yeah (laughs) and now he's gonna be fine he could have left the country in that time who knows maybe that was his plan all along yeah get rid of that leg and move on with his life (laughs) Move on on one leg, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So those are my mini crime times. I hope you enjoyed. Those are great. Yeah, I loved it. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for listening, and um, we'll see you next time. You You have a fabulous evening, Douglas. Thank you, you too, Joss. And And we will bid you agur. Agur. Crimes of the Basque Lands is written and produced by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. The sound and editing for each episode by Douglas D. Carvalho, and Megan Dooley. Theme song written by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. Sung by the choir with no name and produced by Tom Squires. Podcast art by Distinct Signal. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Crimes of the Basque Lands and contact us at crimesofthebasquelands at gmail.com with story ideas worldwide which have a connection to the Basque Country, or any rave reviews. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, Agur! agur.